The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Zen Honeycutt. She's the founder and director of Moms Across America, a nonprofit national coalition of unstoppable moms with the motto, Empowered Moms, Healthy Kids. Moms Across America was founded in 2013 and has grown rapidly with over 400 leaders. They have created 700-plus community events in all 50 states in the first three years of inception. Moms Across America empowers and amplifies the voice of the mom locally and nationally to create healthy communities by raising awareness about GMOs and related pesticides in our food. Zen has been featured on CNN, The Dr. Oz Show, The Wall Street Journal, C-SPAN, etc. She is an international speaker, a powerful leadership coach, and writer. And she's currently working on a book called Unstoppable Love, Empowering Community Leaders to Be Global Game Changers. Welcome, Zen. Thank you, Melinda, and thank you to all your listeners. I'm really interested in your organizational skills. I mean, I think as moms... We care very much. I mean, whether we're a a parent ourselves or we just have children in our lives that we care about, our children today are facing some very difficult environmental challenges, not the least of which is climate change. But we see an increase in birth defects. We see an increase in disabilities. And I think you're absolutely right to zero in on the quality of our food. But I'm wondering how you became so effective in organizing so many voices of like minds that care very much about the quality of our food. Well, thank you for asking. And I know a lot of people are curious because we have grown quite fast. We launched in February of 2013. Our website, of course, had support from wonderful people to do that. We put our Facebook page up. And within four months, we had a reach on Facebook of over 300,000 a week. It was really incredible. But it wasn't because, you know, I just did this. It was because the call to action was one that everybody could consider that they were excited about and that they could easily get involved in. And that was sort of the criteria of an event or a campaign. That sort of set the tone. Is it affordable? Is it easy to do? And is it replicatable? Can you do this in other areas? And by that idea, what I mean is I asked myself at one point when the GMO labeling in California did not pass, what if I took on leadership? Like, what if I really owned this? You know, I had originally just helped out with the campaign, which is great. We need lots of people to help. But I realized when there was a woman in the front of the room leading the meeting that she was in the front of the room and I was in the back of the room. And that's okay. But I was like, huh, what? I wonder if I had taken on a leadership role if things might have been different, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely my actions would have been different. I would have taken on more, you know, and that could have changed the outcome somehow. So I thought, what if I took on leadership what would that look like? How could I raise with awareness with as many people as possible in the shortest amount of time? And, of course, it had to be affordable, easy to do, and replicatable. And at first I thought of a march on Washington where we could all raise a lot of awareness in Washington. But my target is moms because moms buy 85% of the food. 
So to me, that's the most effective target. And I am a mom, and I can relate. So I thought about moms going to Washington, probably not going to happen, right? Strollers and babies and limited budgets. Then I thought, wait a second, what could happen locally? Well, locally, there's Fourth of July parades, and you can just join in. The the permits and the porta potty and the policemen are already taken care of by the local person who's organizing the event. So you just need to grab some red, white, and blue and your kids and a banner that says something about moms and something about GMOs in order to get those words in front of thousands of people. And so that initial event started the movement. And after that first event where we had 172 people join into Fourth of July parades in 37 states, reaching thousands locally and millions nationally in a single day, it became clear to me that it needed to not just be Moms Across America March, you know, a single event, which is how we started out. It needed to be Moms Across America, the organization. So from there, we grew to having multiple events uh, a year, at least one every quarter, and then campaigns that are monthly and sometimes weekly calls to actions where we're calling the EPA. We're, we're taking actions that are pretty easy to do. Yeah. Those are the ones that are successful and that moms feel like will make a difference. Yeah. So that's been sort of the criteria of how we got started. And, and I'm very excited because one parade, three people deep, three spectators deep for three miles equals reaching 49,000 people. Wow. So it's very effective. And when one of those spectators gets a flyer from one of our moms and then they share this information with five other moms, and if those five share with five and those five share with five like that, if one mom only reached 10 people, then within a week or so, there'd be 1,270 people that know about GMOs and toxic chemicals. If they start spending either 100 or $200 a week, um, I forgot the math right now, but if they start spending only 100 or $200 a week on organic food, then if 200, this happens in 200 locations across the country where one mom is only sharing with 10 moms, then pretty soon you've got a shift of $1.8 billion a year. Exactly. To organic. And, you know, the food industry is very concerned about people like you because you are such an effective organizer. And I think that it's a skill or a, a personality trait that for those of us who don't come to that naturally, it's really important for us to learn from you. So I'm so glad you're here with me today. All right. Now, let me ask you some other questions, and that has to do with why do you think GMO labeling failed in California? Well, that's a difficult one. I think there was definitely a combination of mischief at the polls. Mm. Definitely there were lies that were sent out in the flyers out to the people. The opposition spent a lot of money on flyers that said things like Democratic uh, Green Party or whatever. They actually made up committees that had never existed before Mm. and made a flyer up that said vote yes, yes, yes to all these candidates that you would likely consider that somebody who was either green or a Democrat would vote for, and then no to GMO labeling. And they sent these out by the millions to Californians. So they influenced the Californian voter and consumer by, first of all, lying, and by second of all, saying things like, you know, instilling fear, like the cost of groceries are going to go up, which is ridiculous and completely untrue. If at all, it would be such a small amount that it really... I mean, it's it's incomparable to things like, for instance, we just lost 40 million chickens last year because they were being fed, and many, many farmers believe this, that it was because they were being fed GMO grains sprayed with glyphosate, which weakened their immune system and made them more susceptible to the avian bird flu. 
And they say this because the pasture-raised chickens did not get the bird flu. 16 million factory farm chickens died in the Midwest, in Illinois, uh, primarily in Illinois. That raises the price of foods. Putting right. four words on a label does not raise the price of food right. comparative to harm and sickness and health issues and environmental impacts the way that GMOs do. Yeah. So they won because I believe strongly that there was mischief and lies and corruption. We would have won if the American people and the Californian people voted the way that they were polled to begin with. Over 90% of the people wanted GMO labels. The majority of Americans want GMO labels. Mm -hmm. So why that's not showing up in the polls is very suspicious. Right. Well, I think it's really interesting. You, You hit on something that's vitally important, and that's for people to know what are those phrases that get Americans' attention? For example, oh, my gosh, we can't do this. It's going to raise the price of food. I have seen that used against us on multiple campaigns, even those that have nothing to do with food. So I think that we need to know that that's a watchword. But I also think that your social networks can really be more powerful than even some of these mischievous campaigns that the food industry comes up with. Would you agree with that, the social media among moms? I believe... Yeah, I believe that the people have the power for sure, or I wouldn't be doing this. Moms buy 85% of the food. Women control 90% of the purchases in the household. So I really see that all we need to do is to reach as many moms and women women as possible, not to discount the, the, the support and the invaluable contribution of many men and students and farmers and aunts and uncles and grandmas and everybody else, but women are the ones that are forking over the money at the cashier and these chemical companies and pharmaceutical companies and agriculture companies only have the power that they have to influence either elections or senators or congressmen because we give them our money. That's mm-hmm. the only reason. So when we get on social media and reach thousands of people with one post or we email or we phone call or we just talk to our neighbors at a backyard barbecue, They can't control that. And we will continue to do that because when we see that something works, we share that with our moms. When I saw my son's allergies decrease from 19 down to 0.2, when his life-threatening allergy is no longer life-threatening, when I saw my son's autism symptoms go away in six weeks after eating organic and avoiding gluten and avoiding glyphosate-sprayed wheat and never come back, that's a solution I'm going to share far and wide. And I'm not the only one. There are thousands of moms report the same thing, autism symptoms going down, asthma, inflammation in the eye, eyesight getting better, autoimmune diseases, obesity, diabetes, all kinds of health issues are being resolved simply by avoiding toxic chemicals and GMO and eating organic. And we will share that on social media, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you are working with Vandana Shiva now to create a global network of moms that are concerned about the health of their kids and how that relates to the quality of food. Tell me how you got to work with Vandana Shiva. Well, it was wonderful. I met her in China, actually, in Beijing. I was invited to go speak with 30 other international experts from 15 different countries around the world by this wonderful group in China for the Food Safety International Expo, I believe it was called, or conference. And it was in 2014, in August. And, of course, we met at the event. We talked together. She's an incredible inspiration and mentor. Afterwards, we went to the Great Wall of China, and she sat next to me, and I got to speak with her for three hours. And so in that conversation, she said, you should really start a mother's 
across the world, and I'll be the co-creator. So wow. we've done that. There definitely needs to be a lot of a lot more happening on the website. I'm sorry, it's just been sort of it's there, but we need staff, we need support to make that happen, you know, further to be more. But we post, we Facebook, and we are reaching out and we're connecting with mothers all around the world, toured and spoken and connected with moms in New Zealand, in Australia, in China, Switzerland, Maui, and Hawaii. And there's a moms across Africa. There's a moms across Ireland. There's moms across Canada. Um, there might be other ones as well, but we are definitely spoken to people in Jamaica and South America and moms across the world are completely set up with their exactly. families being poisoned and they don't want Monsanto and Syngenta and Dow and Bayer and BASF and, and all of these companies to be controlling their food supply and poisoning their families. Yeah, I'm very much concerned about pesticide residues and herbicide, in, the increased use of herbicides that are related to GMO crops. And living in the Midwest, in the corn and soy belt, I see this happening around me all the time. And I am most fearful about our water quality and, of course, birth defects that come as a result of being exposed to these toxins. And I want to talk a little bit about your partnerships with any health professionals and in particular pediatricians. Have you gotten their ear? Oh, well, yes, I think the cause has gotten their ear. There's, I want to reiterate, there are many brilliant farmers and scientists and doctors and lawyers and researchers that have been working on this far longer than Moms Across America has. We just are approaching it in a way that I think sort of catches the ear of moms more. Mm -hmm. And there's many other groups like Organic Consumers Association and Environmental Working Group and Pesticide Action Network and Beyond Pesticides that have far more supporters and have a greater reach than we do, but we just have, I believe, a certain sort of niche with the moms. And it's important to have that because we need to amplify the voice of the moms. Are you specifically speaking to pediatricians? So the pediatricians that we have come across were ones that were speaking up already that we've connected with. For instance, Dr. Michelle Perrow was one of the people that I toured with in Australia and New Zealand, and she was on Genetic Roulette. So that is the movie by Jeffrey M. Smith, that was an award-winning movie that came out in, well, I saw it in 2012. So we connected with doctors like her. There's, you know, Jill Carnahan. She's in the Midwest. She was a, she's a GMO farmer's daughter, and she's had health issues, and, and she spoke out at Seeds of Doubt. There's been many other doctors that are speaking up about this, that see their patients get better when they eat organic, when they, of course, do different types of remedies to restore the gut bacteria mm -hmm. and to take care of the microbiome in the gut. You can't just eat organic. For many people, you have to then restore the gut bacteria. You have to put good minerals and vitamins back in the system because they've been chelated. And there are many doctors. You know, Tony Bark, who is in BOT, and she's a brilliant doctor who has been raising awareness about this for a long time. So there's many doctors out there. I just met with one in Washington, D.C., who actually treats the senators and congressional aides kids and he's like I don't understand why they don't understand many of them don't understand this because their children are being affected too right and yeah it's becoming definitely a big issue and doctors are paying attention but it is still challenging some doctors don't believe that food has anything to do with our health issues and it's that's very tragic it's crazy let me take one moment to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us you're tuned into food sleuth radio where we are joined by zen honeycutt she is the founder and director of moms across america now you did just come back from a congressional staff briefing in washington dc how did that come about well a scientist stephen france went to visit his representative representative ted Liu, 
in California because Stephen Franz wrote an article which raised awareness about glyphosate in his area. He wants to get Roundup and glyphosate to have them stop spraying it in his area in, I believe he lives in Malibu or around Los Angeles. And he met with Representative Ken Liu, and he was very concerned. Our representative was very concerned, and he said, I think we need to have some scientists go to D.C. and have a briefing. And so Stephen Franz got together about nine different scientists and a farmer and myself, and we went and spoke on June 14th, and uh, it was standing room only. There were more than 60 people in the room. There were young, smart, sharp congressional staffers that are responsible for bringing back these important issues to their congressional, their bosses, to their, you know, congressional leaders. And there were a few Senate as well that came over to the other side, and there were some supporters and a few members of the press as well. So it was excellent because we had scientific information to present, which was extremely complicated, but very telling and clear to show how glyphosate causes harm in the body, how it causes harm in the soil, how it causes harm in the environment, and so that they could wrap their heads around this is not just somebody saying that it's harmful because we're paranoid or concerned. There's actual scientific evidence to show how. And then I came in with this is how it's happening in the body, and this is what's showing up in the world. You know, we're seeing autism, allergies, autoimmune issues. And then when we take it out of the diet, we see our children get better. And here's how we've been connecting the two. We're finding glyphosate in tap water, urine, breast milk. Other groups are finding it in beer, wine, bread, eggs, yogurt, oatmeal, cereal, soy sauce. I mean, all kinds of, you know, it's, it's even in pea-assured feeding tube liquid, which is given to children with cancer. And this is a chelator that draws out the vital nutrients of any living thing it touches. It's an endocrine disruptor, which means it causes harm to a fetus, to the development of a fetus or, or a baby. It's a antibiotic, meaning it destroys the gut bacteria, which is where 70% of the immune system lies, amongst other things. Right. So this is not a chemical that we want anywhere in our food and needs to be removed. So, yes, it was a very good meeting. There was new science that was presented There are papers coming out shortly, and everybody should be able to get those on our website on momsacrossamerica.org under data. You can see the scientific studies that we have there. Great. Now, something that you did that was quite unique was that you sent in samples of, was it urine as well as breast milk to have tested at a laboratory in St. Louis, and you were looking to see, was glyphosate present? Tell me how you did that. How did you organize and mobilize people and get this laboratory to do these tests for you? Because it's my understanding that it is very difficult to get these tests done. Yes. Well, so when I first found out that 80% of GMOs are engineered to withstand glyphosate, which is the declared active chemical ingredient in Roundup, and I say declared because that's what the manufacturer says, that that one chemical is the only one that is actually doing anything, which is ridiculous. There are dozens of other chemicals in the product, and they all have to play a role, right? Right. But the problem is is that all of the chemicals in the product, the final formulation, is never safety tested. It's only the one active chemical ingredient. So that was the only one that we could test for. Do you understand? That's Absolutely. the only one that we could is because that's the only one we knew about. The other right. ones are trade secret. They're called inert. So I thought, well, we need to test for this chemical, especially when we see our children getting better when we avoid this chemical. And the opposition, the pro-GMO people were saying, well, these moms are, have all these testimonials and they're saying that their children are getting better when they avoid GMOs and glyphosate, but they don't have any evidence. So I thought, well, we have to get evidence. 
That's what we need to do. We need to show that glyphosate is in our children. And so I bugged this farmer friend of mine who was just brilliant and uh, very supportive for probably a year and said, we really need to test for glyphosate here in the U.S. Friends of the Earth had done it in Europe, and they tested, I think, 18 different either countries or I think think so, 18 different countries, and they found levels that were like 1.5 parts per billion. Now, when we tested, when the farmer friend came back and said, I convinced the lab to invest in glyphosate testing, and they're ready. It was like Christmas, and it actually was around Christmas. It was December of 2013, and it was difficult to ask people to spend money. I put out memes and uh, infographics on Facebook. That one Facebook graphic got a reach of 35000 within a couple of hours. So everybody was very interested in testing their urine and their water for glyphosate, but not many people could afford the 90-something dollars. So only about 40 people signed up to do that and actually sent in their urine within the next month or so. Um, but during that time, Sustainable Pulse said, why don't you test for breast milk? And I was like, that's awesome. We would love to. But of course, I don't know how to get a hold of the samples or I don't, I don't have the money to test for that. So they came up with the money for it and I made the calls to different breast milk banks, but nobody would give me any samples of breast milk. So I then had to go to my mom's and it took weeks, uh, probably months, to find 10 moms who would voluntarily send in their, and pay FedEx, too, to send in their frozen sample of breast milk. And it was pretty difficult to do that, but they did, and I'm so grateful because three out of 10 of those moms found levels above 75 parts per billion of glyphosate in their breast milk, which was just astounding. It was 76, 99, and 166 parts per billion of glyphosate in their breast milk. And the one that was the highest was the one that did not know about GMOs and glyphosate. She was a friend of a if you want to say an activist, you know, she was a friend of a supporter of Moms Across America and she didn't know about GMOs and glyphosate. So when she tested that high, it was, it was very disturbing. And she was, she was actually a nurse that worked in a hospital too and, you know, had a young baby at home and very upsetting. Very, very, very upsetting. We called the EPA. We did a five day call the EPA campaign. And by the third day, they were asking us to stop because 10,000 moms had called. And well, so then we a, got a thing with the EPA, and, you know, it just is going on from there. Yeah, there's a brilliant scientist, I'm sure you're familiar with her, Sandra Steingraber, and she uses this term called toxic trespass. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, that's the way I look at it, Zen. I look at it like I didn't invite you into my body. And yet right. this toxic chemical, along with so many more, have entered my body without my permission. And absolutely the most precious of all of our liquids that we give our children, right? Our breast milk should be kept safe for future generations. So I commend you for doing this. And I know how difficult it is to get that kind of energy to get all of these people to send in samples. And how did you find the lab? That was through the farmer friend. Okay. he, He knew this, the owner of the lab for years. And the owner of the lab actually worked at Monsanto years before that. So he knew and he helped develop the methodology of the testing and everything. And he, he knows a lot of people that still work at Monsanto. And so some people would not want to trust him because of that, right? But right. I think he's doing what he's doing because he worked at Monsanto and he knows what's going on there. Right. And he's just a smart scientist. He knows that this needs to be tested for and we have a right to test for it. I called many labs. I tried to, to do it myself for months. Yeah. I went to my doctors, I went to different labs, and I asked them to test, and they said, no, we don't have 
a test for glyphosate because it's considered safe. And I was like, well, asbestos and mercury and lead were considered safe too, but there's tests for them now. Exactly. And they said, well, we just, we don't have it. And I said, well, can you request it? And so they would kind of roll their eyes and the doctor would write it on the form, you know, request for glyphosate. I would go to the lab and they would say, no, we don't have it. So, yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but I really believe that when you choose to do something and you're operating out of love and commitment, all the world conspires with you. They, mm-hmm. they really do. Things come together. You just put it out there that you are going to do this. This shall be. And people are moved by your commitment, and they get it together and help it to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just been happening all throughout these past three years. Things have happened that I never believed would have 191 billboards right. across the United States that say our families get better when they eat organic. I never imagined it would be that. I wanted them up there, and I declared it would happen. I said it would happen. I had no idea that it would be that big, and it has. Right. We just have a few minutes left, so I want to make sure that we cover some policy changes that we are focused on together and what moms across America are focusing on. What do you want to see from a policy perspective at this point? At this point, I want to see that the final formulation of any chemical product is absolutely safety tested and proven safe long before it's on the market and that there is an ability to test for that. I want to see toxic chemical farming end. Mm -hmm. I want regenerative agriculture, organic farming. I want healthy, safe food, healthy, safe water, a clean, sustainable planet. Absolutely. And I can't see any reason why we would stop working for this because this is the future that we are offering our children and we can only gauge our success, I believe, on the future that we're giving our children. Mm -hmm. How much money we have today means nothing if the food we are offering our children is poisoned and they won't be able to reproduce, they won't be able to have healthy families. You know what I mean? What we have today means nothing if we can't offer our children a safe and healthy future. So I think every policy should be based on How is this going to impact our children? The Native Americans had it right. They made decisions based on the next seven generations. That's right. That's how we should be basing our policy. If it doesn't work for our children's children's children, we don't do that today. Right. It doesn't matter how much money we make. So it's it's those types of policy, but more and more general, you know, the the testing and the, the approval process at the EPA has to be completely reformed. They can't take seven years to review a chemical and then reapprove it for another 15 years. It just right. doesn't it just doesn't work and they can't ignore independent scientific study. You know, exactly. they're just ignoring the science that shows harm. There's so much influence of money in our policymakers and I think that has to change too. Absolutely. Yes, the the ability for chemical companies to donate to our senators and congressmen who then go and call the EPA and say push this chemical through that I can get my donation on the back, you know, over here. And then the EPA pushes that chemical through and we're being sprayed or inundated with these, you know, 80,000 toxic chemicals because it sounds like a good idea. That's not appropriate. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, unfortunately, our time is up, but I do want to let our listeners know that we have been speaking with Zen Honeycutt, founder and director of Moms Across America, a nonprofit national coalition of moms who care very deeply about the health of our children today and in the future. And her book, I'm greatly looking forward to this, called Unstoppable Love, Empowering Community Leaders to Be Global Game Changers. And that is exactly what you are, Zen. So thank you so much for being my guest. In closing, I want to remind Remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. I want to thank our listeners for being with us. And most of all, I want to thank you, Zen, for all of the powerful work you've done. You're moving the dial, and I'm grateful. Thank you so much, Melinda. Thank you to all your listeners.